Welcome to another PI World podcast. This is an audio-only version offered as another way to enjoy our great content. A full video version can be seen on piworld.co.uk, where you can find many more videos of interest to investors. Thank you very much. Hello and welcome, everybody. Thank you for attending indeed the Tribal FY22 uh, results. Uh, I'll start off uh, with an introduction, a reminder about Tribal, and then I will pass over to Diane, who will talk about our financial results. I'll talk a little bit about the strategy afterwards, and then we'll be open for Q&A. So just a quick reminder for those less familiar with Tribal, who we are. We are a leading provider of student management systems. So systems that provide the end-to-end student lifecycle for higher education and into further education. We are market leaders within our core markets, particularly in the UK, where we have some two-thirds of the market. So we have many uh, satisfied customers who have been with Tribal for many, many years, 10 years, in some cases, uh, up to 20 years or so. Uh, The student management system is the most critical system of the university and sits, our core product has proven its dependability, its reliability, uh, its resilience, over those uh, many, many years. Many of our customers are working with us to move their systems into the public cloud through our offering of Tribal Cloud. Some 30 customers or so have moved into the Tribal Cloud with an opportunity, we believe, of some 40 or 50 more customers potentially to go into the public cloud with us. So a significant opportunity for us into the future. On the right-hand side, a couple of boxes that talk about our core products at the top are the core student management system products that we have. So these are mature technologies that were designed to support the universities managing the administration of their students and their courses. And the other box are our modern next generation edge products, which uh, really provide a SaaS solution to universities, but also address the growing trend to support the students and provide a much greater involvement and student experience by providing, um, uh, particularly around mobile and the the, the digitization of their access into applications. We also have education services, which is our services business, really focused on school improvement and school inspections, which has seen a really good recovery post-COVID, and we see that as having significant opportunities as we move into the the post-COVID years. So if I start then with the overview of the year, really there are two areas that we need to discuss. The core area is that our underlying business has performed well during the course of the year. We have continued to execute against our strategic goals. We've had new customers acquiring our SITS product. We've seen more expansion of our customers into the cloud. Indeed, we secured uh, five new cloud uh, migrations during the course of the year. And indeed, into January of 2023, we secured a further three as we see more momentum in that space. Our annual recurring revenue increased by over 10%, and we've seen significant growth in education services. And Diane will talk more to those specific numbers. But clearly, the other area that has been a really significant challenge for us is in our contract with Nanyang Technological University in Singapore. And this has been clearly a source of disappointment that we had a 
project that we've been implementing with NTU that has now been terminated. I think it's important to note that the nature of the dispute is not about our software and the solutions and the capability of that software and solution to satisfy the requirements of NTU. The uh, issue has been around the scope of the contract and the increase of the scope um, required by the customer, which is more than we believe was contracted for. You know, the impact on our wider customer base is very limited. Um, the UK uh, and the Australian uh, uh, customers continue. And in fact, there's been a pent up demand for resources for projects that our existing customers want to uh, run. And this is an opportunity now for us to free up some resource in order to manage that uh, th th those um, projects. Where does this the NTU project go? We have exchanged legal letters. The contract has been terminated. The next stage contractually is that both parties are required to go to mediation. Uh, the mediation will be several months away. We agree between both parties, a Singapore mediator. And we would not expect that mediation to restart the contract. Most likely that mediation would be about how we separate the overall two parties. Uh, Diane will talk more specifically to the numbers, uh, but we should note that all the implementation costs for the year are recorded within the current um, board expectations. So onto our overall business, we drive our business based on three pillars. Fundamentally, we're looking to expand our customer share of wallet. And we have seen that strong sales performance with an increasing number of customers moving into our cloud. And the average annual recurring revenue that we will get from each of those cloud opportunities would be likely somewhere between, say, £250,000 a year up to maybe five to £600,000 a year, depending on the size of the university. So these are significant deals and the customers would be expected to sign up for three to five years. But the reality is, of course, that will be ongoing for many, many years to come because we take over the complete management of their system so they are able to redeploy their staff onto other activities. We also look to expand our addressable market by selling new products, our core edge products, into our existing customer base and indeed into competitors' customer base as well. Our semestry product, which is our scheduling and timetabling product that we acquired just under two years ago, continues to be successful. We sold a large project into the University of Birmingham, which is one of our competitor sites towards the end of the year. And we see good opportunity also as we expand that out. We also look to expand our geographic reach. Clearly, with the NTU contract in Singapore, it causes us to pause and work out how we might continue within that part of the world. There are still significant opportunities there. And we also see opportunities in other parts of Southeast Asia. Um, in Malaysia, for example, where we have two existing uh, contracts, we see the opportunity to expand that out. Indeed, in the course of 2022, we won a new contract, you'll see in the middle there under SIT's vision in the British University of Vietnam, a small university, a relatively small project. What's interesting about this was the ability to deliver that project remotely. So we had a, two people who went over, met with the customer, agreed the scope, and then the rest will be delivered between the UK and our Australian resource. 
You'll see we also won two other new SITS customers at Leeds Conservatoire and the University of Plymouth. So SITS as mature technology is still the most functionally rich product within its markets, and it continues to sell. To the left, you'll see the five tribal cloud customers in year. And you see also they vary from smaller universities to the large universities, to the Russell Group universities, to the larger recruiting universities. And we see the tribal cloud offering as being suitable for customers, both small and large. We also sold our edge products. I talked about the University of Birmingham with Semestry. We also sold our Engage product into King's College London. Education services, as I said, had a good year, both in terms of renewing its existing um, contracts. So there were three large contracts in the UK, the National Centre, the Excellence in the Teaching of Mathematics um, uh, was the largest. And these three went out to, to tender, to be retendered last year, and we successfully retendered all three of them. We also won new opportunities. Um, the ones to highlight particularly are the National Tutoring Programme, which is about quality assurance of the tutoring um, post-COVID that the government has funded for schools, but also um, Riyadh schools uh, in Saudi Arabia. This is a, a, a small opportunity, but our managing director, Matt Davis, has recently been out to Saudi Arabia and has... Uh, assess the opportunity within the region, but also particularly within Saudi Arabia, where there's a, a um, large uh, pool of funds that the government is putting aside <clears throat> to um, improve the quality of uh, education and teaching within schools. So we feel there's opportunity for us to, um, uh, to expand our portfolio more within Saudi Arabia. We haven't in the past talked particularly about implementation of projects, and it felt a good point to perhaps talk about this time, to really bring out what we have been doing to improve the efficiency and the speed of our implementation. So we won two universities at Solent and University of West London, where we were able to use our more modern methodology uh, that based around a standard process, a set of blueprints that we implement part of SITS. It's not complete across all of SITS yet, but we successfully implemented that at Solent and UWL and managed to increase the speed of implementation, which meant that their phase one go live happened within 12 months, where one might expect a project more often to take three to four or even more years to fully implement. Also within cloud, um, we do have a track record now of successful SITS cloud implementations, even the most complex. So Birmingham City University, a, a large and complex university, and UCL, University College London, one of the largest in the country, they both went live. They both were complex migrations. But also University of Sunderland went live in just five months, where, where previously it might have taken us nine to 12 months to go live. So it's really about the the um, focus on improving the, the, the efficiency with which we're able to migrate. Also worth calling out on the right, King's College London, I noted that we won an engaged deal. So our mobile app has been adopted by King's College London, very different type of implementation. It's really focused on the student and driving adoption across the students. They went live 
in the year with the first year students had a very high take up and they're now rolling it out to the remainder of their their students and rolling out the full functionality we were able actually to upsell uh, a, a larger amount actually towards the the end of the year into kcl so that's been a very successful rollout and we are um, expecting that to become our first uh, large reference site as we start to push our mobile app further into higher education. So with that, let me pass over to Diane. Thank you very much, Mark. Um, on the first slide, I just kind of have some of the key financial metrics. And as Mark mentioned, it's been a challenging year. So our results have been overshadowed by the performance of our NTU contract, which I'll cover in more detail on later slides. However, our underlying business does remain strong. Start with revenue remains stable, up 2% to 83.6 million. Revenue growth has been driven through our core CIS products and education services, offset by the expected decline in our non-core areas. ARR is stable at 51.2 million, with a strong 10% growth in our core products, driven across cloud, SIPs and edge, again offset by the expected decline in our non-core areas. And committed income or order backlog is down 2%, due to the removal of the NTU contract. Adjusted EBITDA has reduced to 7.4 million due to the extended NTU implementation timelines and the inflationary cost pressures in our central overhead, such as insurance costs. And it's worth noting that the EBITDA number includes a 4.5 million NTU owners contract provision. And that brings forward losses from future years into 2022. The drop in EBITDA then flows through to a lower adjusted profit for tax of 4.1 million and a basic adjusted earnings per share of 0.6p. Cash conversion dropped to 89% due to timing of milestone payments, including a 1 million pound payment for the Middle East, which just slipped into early January. Investment in our edge products continued and CapEx rose to 10.3 million in the year. Based on our performance in the year and having reviewed cash flow forecasts with regard to the significant uncertainties around the resolution of the NTU contract, the board concluded it would be prudent to reduce the dividend by 50% to 0.65p. We will, however, return to our policy of dividend progression when circumstances allow. My second slide shows the performance of our two business units, Student Information Systems and Education Services. This will be discussed in more detail later but we continue to see strong revenue growth in cloud and edge, offset by a decline in other software and services, with the operating margin hit by the NTU implementation. On the ES side, we have seen the business continuing to grow strongly, with revenue growing at 9%. School inspections in particular are tracking well, in particular with a new contract to deliver inspections on behalf of the Charge of Private Education Authority in UAE, and a new contract for the National Tutoring Programme in the UK which had a TCV of 2.4 million. And there was also the successful renewal, as Mark mentioned, of three significant DOE contracts, and they were maintained at prior revenue levels. NCETM was 8.7 million over two years, MPQ was 6.5 million over four years, and the advanced mass support programme that Mark mentioned is 2.6 million TCV over two years as well. Due to the margin mix of those contracts, a margin percentage has increased to 25%, that's up 10 percentage points. So this means our overall segment operating margin has dropped from 25.9 million to 17.9 million with a 21.4% margin. The next slide moves on to cover our CIS performance. So results have been heavily impacted by NTU contract. It's had less recognizable revenue 
and increased costs from the lengthening timelines. And then on top of that, we had the owner's contract vision of the 4.5 million as we brought forward and recognised future implementation losses within 2022. The board cannot fully assess the impact if mediation wasn't successful, as both the timelines to resolution and the value of any impact will be uncertain. If I exclude the losses of the NTU, CIS margin would have been in line with historic levels. Our standard SAS metrics at the bottom left show a slight decline in both gross and net revenue retention. GRR demonstrates that of the customer base as at December 2021, 9% of the recurring revenues have been lost through customer downgrades or cancellations. But then when you include upsells to that same customer base, recurring revenues increase to give a net revenue retention of 104%. So moving to the graph, also in the bottom left, you can see that professional services have declined by 12% due to the impact of NTU, but cloud and edge revenues have recurring revenues that grew really strongly at 29%. And the foundation software and support grew more slowly at 3%, due to the anticipated exit of two of our Callista customers at the end of last year. Other software and services continue to decline as expected, with £1 million from the loss of our bespoke Will Finder software contract with Iron Mountain. On the next slide, we look at CIS ARR in some more detail. So overall ARR has remained flat at £51.2 million. And as a reminder, ARR is a forward-looking indicator of recurring SaaS revenues for the next 12 months. In the bottom left-hand chart, you can see that our core ARR has grown 10%, of which Cloud and Edge in particular has grown at a healthy 21%, and Foundation Software at 5%. So looking at it in more detail in the table at the top left, shows a slight decline in support and maintenance revenues, Foundation Software increasing 43%, with the six wins in BUV, University of Plymouth, and Lee's Conservatoire, and Cloud Services grew 23%, mainly from our five existing customer migrations, Sunderland, Birmingham City, UCA, UEA, and Reading. And they're all about approximately 0.3 million ARR each. Edge grew at 18% across multiple product lines, but of particular note as our first four sales of Tribal Data Engine and the first sale that Mark talked about of our engaged mobile app to a HE customer, King's College London. NTU has impacted a number of those different core product lines, with a total decrease put together of 1.3 million. So the growth in our core products is offset by the expected decline in our maintenance products, other software and services, which has declined by 43.5%. As previously announced, an Australian government contract with TAFE New South Wales is expected to exit in Q3 2023. And as ARR is a forward-looking indicator, 3.1 million has already been removed. There's also been a 0.6 million drop in ARR as an Australian school's DOE contract winds down. They're currently expected to fully migrate in June 2024. And so the remaining 1.5 million of that contract is expected to drop out of ARR some point during 2023. In summary, the continuing growth in core ARR, especially in cloud and edge, gives us a really solid foundation for future cross sales to existing customers and to enable us to sell to new customers across the globe. The next slide moves on to cash flow. Our net cash from operating activities before tax have been impacted by the lower EBIT market. Tax payments are also higher due to higher overseas profits, and investment continues in our edge products with 10.4 million of cash capex. Moving on to deferred consideration, the final payment for semester has now been paid, 
with only a small amount of area outstanding to be paid within 2023. We now have a 17 million loan facility with HSBC and a further 3 million accordion. Loan facilities will be renewed at the end of 2024, at which point we can evaluate our options. We also have a £2 million overdraft facility in the UK and a £2 million Australian dollar facility. At the year end, we've utilised 6.3 million of our loan, which leaves 3.4 million net debt position at year end. My last slide is on product development. Our capitalised product development spend has increased to 10.3 million as we continue to develop our edge product set. But looking forward to next year, we anticipate a significant reduction as we focus our efforts on our existing successful edge product range and completing admissions in order to maximise our returns. So I'll now hand back to Mark, who will talk more about our product strategy. Over to you, Mark. Great. Thank you very much, Diane. So what I wanted to do is take the opportunity to remind those or explain to people what the key opportunities are with our customer base, what the challenges are for universities particularly, but also actually colleges that we in our space can address. And they really boil down to two. One is that the legacy student management systems that universities have often can be either not fit for purpose or if they have had it for 10, 15, 20 years, it will often be very complex and not modern in the way that it has been implemented. And that creates a huge challenge for universities in supporting it, the risk around running a system where they don't necessarily know exactly where their risks are within the system. Individuals who are having to support the system and sustain it into the future where they struggle to drive efficiencies and make it a more modern system. And that gives us opportunities in a number of areas. One is where those student management systems are older systems, then they will come to market and SITS still remains that market leader in its markets. Secondly, for those universities that have great complexity, but not necessarily the wherewithal to deal with it, it's an opportunity for us to sell services and sell products that will help simplify those systems, such as the blueprints, that more standard implementation framework that we can give to customers, which they could use to simplify the system that they have. It's an opportunity potentially to sell in newer products to address um, existing problems in a new way, but also it's an opportunity for us to take that system from the on-premise into the public cloud and manage it as a service for the university so they can redeploy their existing staff onto other projects and effectively give us the problem. Um, and that is what the migration um, uh, out to the public cloud is. And as part of that process, we optimize their implementation. We don't re-implement the product, what we do do is optimize the way the product talks to, integrates with other systems in the university, making it easier to manage, and we look to improve the performance. That's why we put so much effort into driving the tribal cloud, and we see an opportunity for maybe an additional 40 or 50 of our customers to go into the cloud at an average of three, four hundred thousand pounds for each cloud. That's a significant opportunity for us in coming years. You know, at the moment, we do 
four, five in a year. Over time, we'd expect that that pace to increase as more and more customers look to move their systems into the public cloud. And I think it's safe to say the vast, overwhelming majority of universities want to drive most, if not all, of their systems into the public cloud at some point in the future. The second area is really around improving the student experience. This is about universities having to use modern digitalized apps in order to engage the students more to provide a competitive advantage for the universities. It is their showcase to students as they lay out their stall of what that student experience can be to students and the way the student sees the university through its web, through its mobile, through the admission system, through the recruitment process and the marketing process, all influences that student to make the choice that they ultimately make. So the opportunity there is to build new products that will support a better student experience. And to that end, we have our core products, so our foundation products at the bottom. Those are the core student management systems that we still continue to sell, and we migrate out to the cloud. And then at the top, our tribal edge products, we have a core of six products that we have built and acquired in terms of semestry. And those core products are what we're now going to focus on to maximize the sales within our uh, base and, and more broadly. So we are not looking at the moment to expand and build out more products because we have some really good products here that we feel we can drive um, uh, more revenue out of. And I've picked particularly admissions there, the whole admissions process. We've been building out a module and we're about to take it out to market. We're expecting our first customer in Australia to go live in the coming weeks. And then we'll look to take that out to the broader customer base. And we feel that it's a great product and it has really strong opportunity. And indeed, when we talk to our customers about admissions, we see a lot of our existing customers who are very interested to have a look at admissions and go down that path with us. What we are doing as a business to restructure, to support the change to a SaaS product, we have made some significant changes. We invest in sales, pre-sales to refocus on SaaS products. And that has also necessitated really having a specific product marketing team rather than the more broader marketing, a product marketing team to develop specific narratives around our SaaS product capability. And indeed, in the broader executive team, we have looked at the overall sort of value chain from product strategy through to operations and delivery and creating business heads based on those parts of the value chain. So each part of our value chain has a business head all the way through to the retention customer success, where we have an executive responsible for driving customer success. We also have looked to globalize some of our services. The Global Delivery Center in Kuala Lumpur is about standardizing, globalizing the methodology, the approach to our delivery of projects for our customers. We have 30 uh, heads in Kuala Lumpur at the moment, and we see that as being um, expanding over time. We've also recently started our global business services team based in Manila, which is looking at all of our business services, 
including finance and HR and legal and other supporting services to standardize that methodology and to globalize those teams within a central team sitting in Manila. We also have built up our customer success team. So moving away from the more traditional model of reactive support and maintenance to a much more proactive team who are there to drive customer success, drive adoption of our products, increasing customer satisfaction, and thereby also increasing revenue. We also are very mindful of our workforce, the shift of people into cloud, change of talent, also the competitive nature actually of the technology and the expertise that we are recruiting. Our attrition rate is around about 19% at the moment, so that's very much in line with industry standard. It has increased slightly from about 14% before, but it's manageable, but we do notice that we're seeing increasing sort of inflationary wage pressures, but they are being managed firmly within our budgets. We do have engagement surveys and so on with staff to ensure that we are clear about what our staff engagement score is. And we're also very focused on improving gender representation, ethnicity representation, diversity and inclusion. We've been doing this for a number of years. It is a longer term process, but we are beginning to see the results of that as, for example, within our technical roles, you know, we're targeting to get to 35% of those roles being taken by females. We're up to 26 at the moment. And we make sure that we have a policy and approach to recruitment that ensures we maximize that opportunity to get diversity and inclusion within our workforce. So finally, looking at you know, where we are, we are focused on expanding that customer share of wallet and we see significant ongoing opportunities to do that. We continue to look at how we can expand our addressable market, how we can drive particularly our new edge products into our markets, but also looking at more broadly where we have opportunities, for example, in Malaysia or indeed in Singapore to drive some of our edge products like Semestry, like our Dynamics products. But we are focusing on our core product sets, those core products that we have already got that we are taking out to market. And that means then, as Diane referred to, our overall development spend is reduced as we focus on those core product sets. Clearly, a key objective of this year is a resolution of NTU. But overall, we had a positive start to the trading in, 20, in, in FY23. We, we have a good pipeline of opportunities for our products um, and we'll continue to pursue those and continue to pursue the execution of our strategy. PI World videos and podcasts are for general information and interest. They do not constitute any kind of recommendation or inducement to buy shares of any company. PI World is not offering any kind of financial advice and nothing in our material should be taken as such.